Good morning, good morning, good morning, everyone. Welcome to episode 94 of the 476ers podcast. On today's episode, we're going to talk about last night's Sixers Atlanta game, plus some yeah. other basketball stuff. So, uh, 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 yeah. Justice for the blind, just something that'll find in the rhymes that are coming from my mind. You think. Good morning, good morning, good morning, everyone. Welcome to episode 94 of the 476ers podcast. You are here with the host with the most, the flyest 76ers talker on the planet. Listen, you know, shout out to the 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 rights to Ricky Sanchez guys. You know, no disrespect to them. None of those guys are as fly as me. I mean, one of the dude's names is Spike. I mean, you know, his last name is Eskin. So if Howard Eskin, I mean, come on, you know, Michael Levin is hilarious, though. He's funny. He's funnier than me. No question. I can I can accept that. I'm a I'm a I am a person who can accept criticism. I'm someone who is accountable. I am someone who can recognize this person is funnier than me. I could say that. You know what I mean? But this is the I'm the flyest though, right? I am the one who flies so high. You know this balling. You know what I mean. So anyway, <coughs> just a little aside, just a little aside. You know what I mean. Uh, anyway, so let's talk about Sixers game. So yesterday we played the Hawks, and now I got to come on here, and based on the propaganda being spewed out of the mouths of of Mark Zumoff and Al Alden Abbey, I gotta, I gotta, I, I'm not sh- here to shit on Ben. Let me be, I'm not gonna shit on Ben. I just gotta bring this back a little bit. Bring it back, because we keep, we're getting too far. You know what I mean? We're getting too far here. I don't even know why I do this sometimes. You know, this is like that, this, you know, this is really some Twitter age of shit where, where you see somebody saying an opinion and for whatever reason, you just gotta, you gotta say something. You have to reply. You gotta call them wrong or something. You know what I mean? And it's like <clears throat> driving me crazy because there is this reckoning happening with Ben Simmons. It's a reckoning. You know what I mean? A reckoning, no difference than LeBron James, no difference than our political uh, climate here, where if essentially if you are on the right, you are so far on the right now that you have to hate people on the left to the point where if if you support a left or a right thing, if you're pro-life, I now think you're a, the worst person on the planet, right? And and that's what's happening with Ben, you know? Because it's like this crazy thing that's like, I, I don't even... Yesterday's game doesn't tell us anything, right? Much like the OKC game. Why? Because the Hawks are... The Hawks have been obviously been winning a lot of games. You know, they've done a great job since they fired Lloyd, Lloyd Pierce, whose name I forgot last last podcast, which is disrespectful because I got a love, lot of love for Lloyd Pierce. And whether he was a good coach or not remains to be seen. But, you know, as somebody who was, I think, instrumental uh, speaking out, uh, you know, when George Floyd was murdered and, you know, especially in Atlanta, Atlanta is a really, really important city um, when it comes to uh, civil rights and uh, you know, any racist stand, Atlanta is a big city. Well, Atlanta, one, is one of the biggest cities. It's the biggest metropolitan city that has the most Black people, if I'm not mistaken. And obviously, we have, uh, you know, a ton of, just a ton of historical ties to Atlanta, especially when it comes to Black Lives Matter. So Lloyd Pierce being outspoken is important, you know what I mean? And I appreciate that, whether he's a good coach, you know, kind of remains to be seen, especially since he got fired, Nick McMillan takes over, and then the Hawks go on a crazy run. Um, but but what, sometimes what we miss here in the NBA, and I mentioned this about the Utah Jazz, is we at times miss, we're just forgetting 
like we build these narratives and don't actually jump. It's it's the age of Twitter, you know. And I had said this on a podcast before with Fred about um, how we think in headlines. You know what I mean? It's like we think in headlines. So if you looked at the Sixers' record, you would say, well, since Ben Simmons comes back, we're now back to winning our winning ways. But that doesn't that doesn't that doesn't tell the full story that when Ben Simmons was just out for those games, Toby was out for a lot of those games. Danny was out for some of those games. Seth was out for a lot of those games. It was Joe and, and a minstrel band, a band of a a motley crew of guys, you know what I mean? Of guys. And then Seth comes in. It's not enough. You know, you're dealing with this motley crew of random guys. It's not enough. You know what I mean? So, so, so then Toby comes back and now if you want to point to, to Toby coming back and us still losing without Ben, you can do that. But then that doesn't acknowledge that Toby was playing horribly when he first came back. And now we are all, everyone is rounding back in the form now that they've knocked the rust off. And yeah, so we run into OKC, which is not a bad team. Everybody wants to give Ben the credit for all of these turnovers and steals. Well, hold on. Oklahoma City is the worst team at turnovers in the NBA. They give up the most turnovers every game. So of course, that it's not a surprise. We are one of the teams that force the most turnovers. They're one of the teams that have the the, the most that 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 uh, give the ball away the most. That turn over the ball the most. And yeah, perfect storm. It not necessarily just has to do with Ben. Not to say that Ben's defense. We got to draw it back to the middle. Not to say that Ben's defense doesn't have a lot to do with it. Not saying it doesn't have something to do with it. What I am saying is that you can't just you you can't just be like, oh, we caused all these turnovers strictly because of Ben. That's not completely true. Because Furkan has been doing a good job getting steals. Toby has been doing a great job forcing turnovers. Danny, obviously, has been doing that his whole career. Ben, Joe does a great job, uh, 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 you know, especially on on um, on uh, on kind of screen and roll alley-oops. You know, he does a great job kind of hitting hitting that ball in the air. Obviously, we Matisse, I mean, we know what Matisse does. You know what I mean? We know what Matisse does. But what we what the, the the great thing about Ben is when Matisse and Ben, for example, play together. Well, Matisse obviously force is, you know, like they say, leads the league in uh, in deflections per minute, you know, which is to show his value based because he's coming off the bench. You know what I mean? So he may not have the most deflections in the league, but per minute, had he been playing 30 minutes a game, he would have the most deflections. Uh, ben does a great job capitalizing. They do a great job capitalizing off that together when they're out there. They're like two fucking vultures. And I'm not, again, not taking anything because Ben. Ben's defense, we need to walk it back and understand why Ben's defense is so effective. So when we're playing against a team like the Thunder, who have no legit point guard play, you saw you saw the game. I mean, they're running, they were running Darius Baisley as a point forward. He's never been, you know, he showed that he could do it a, a little bit, but that's never, that wasn't ever his thing. That's not what he was slated to be. They don't have any point guards. Then you play yesterday and and their guards are all injured. No, obviously no Trey Young, no Kevin Hurd or no uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich. They're missing all of their guards, not to mention they're also they're missing five rotation guys. They're missing Trey Bogdanovich, Kevin Herter, uh, Cam Reddish and uh, and um, DeAndre Hunter, who was playing great in the early parts of the season and, you know, just injured and hasn't been back, which is kind of crazy. Everyone thought he'd be back like a month ago, but. Uh, and DeAndre Hunter was showing things. Cam and DeAndre are the two best defenders. You know what I mean? They're the, and, and Kevin Herter is a nice defender too, but those are their two best defenders. So we're running into this team at a time when they don't have a full slate of guys and we're here, we're, we're acting and, and on the broadcast, they're acting like it's because of Ben. 
this is not a good defensive team. So, of course, we're getting a ton of open three-pointers. Credit to Ben, who's playmaking, doing a great job playmaking. We would have won this game with or without Ben. It doesn't make a difference. Then you play here's, – you know, here's another good example. The Suns, right? So now they're starting Chris, the, the, the Chris Paul MVP thing. He starts getting MVP chance yesterday, right? Okay. They play us. We have no Ben, no Toby. They beat us, right? They just played the, the, the Clippers yesterday and beat them. They only have Paul George, no Kawhi out there, right? Let's, you got to look at the full picture. You know what I mean is my point, right? You, only, you can only beat the teams that are in front of you. That's a fact. But when you're, when you're debating these topics, you got to look at the full picture and be like, hey, uh, yeah, Ben's defense is great, but let's also walk back one second that Ben's playmaking and defense is so great that we just beat the Hawks because we have Ben. No, that's not completely true. That's, that's a misrepresentation of the facts of what actually happened. You know what I mean? And it's just maddening. It's maddening because it's like I don't want to come out here and feel like I'm hating on Ben because this is essentially what I'm doing right now. right? I mean, I'm just full-fledged hating on Ben. And I don't want to do that. My other problem here, the other problem that bothers me, I can't even believe that we just blew this team out yesterday. Now here I am pissed off. The other problem here, and I've mentioned this on podcasts before, right, is that, for example, Ben's three-point shooting. The last two three-point shots, other than I'm like the, the one that he hit in the last, well, who was that? Who the fuck was that against? Shoots the most wettest three-point shot when we're down six. He hits it with like 10 seconds left, and it was like, but the game was over already. Um, anyway. I had said this after Ben's first three-point shot, right? He made the first one two years ago, whatever. And after the first one, the second one, we he hit against the Knicks last year, I think it was, right? 2019? 20, 2019, so not last year, you know, 18 months ago before COVID. He hits it against the Knicks, and people are like, you're not happy that he hit that shot? And I'm like, no, I'm not worried about this. is obviously the trash Knicks team. This Knicks team is playing better. That's the trash Knicks team. I'm like, no, it's fine. You hit the first one. I'm not worried about you hitting three-pointers against bad teams, right? Because for a long time, the truth of the matter is, and people really started exercising against the Jazz game. Oh, I thought Ben only played well against bad against bad teams. Yes, he does. That's a fact. He played good against the Jazz because there was no pressure. You know what I mean? It's different when there's no pressure. There's no pressure. No one's expecting us to go in and beat the Jazz, especially at that time. They're on like a 15-game winning streak. No one expects us to go beat the Jazz. There is no Joe. So our best player is missing. There's a lot less pressure. You know what I mean? Ben has a history of not showing up against good teams, right? I'm not worried about the Hawks, who are a terrible defensive team, who are missing, essentially missing, uh, was it they're missing three starters? They were missing three starters and are missing five rotation guys, right? I'm not worried about that team right now. They're missing their best player. They're missing arguably their two best players, depending on how, because the way Bogdanovich has been playing over the, since, since Trey's injury, especially, you could make an argument that he's their second best player right now. You know what I mean? You could make an argument that Clint's the second best player. He's been playing great. Uh, an argument that John Collins is the second best player, whatever, but they're missing their best player and one of their other best players, right? They're missing two. And DeAndre Hunter in the beginning of the season was showing that he was also one of the best players, a three and D guy who could do a little bit more than just spot up shoot. Um, so they're missing three of their five best players, let's just say, all right, they're missing three of their five best players. I'm not worried about us beating that team, especially when even when they do have a full complement, they're still not a good defensive team. So I do expect Ben to feast on that. The problem is we can't fucking stop Trey Young because Ben, the defensive player of the year, cannot guard Trey Young. Why? Well, because he runs through screens. Ben can't get through screens. I've said that a million times. Um, I have a pimple here and it's, it's really frustrating. It's really frustrating. I'm going to be honest with you. I mean, well, how old am I that I'm getting pimples here? 
I mean, it's not a pimple. It's more like a zit, I guess. That's what I guess it's a zit. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I guess this is it. This is it. Anyway, um, <clears throat> so yeah, Ben feasts on bad teams. He does. That's just a fact. He's been doing it all, all his career. So when I'm watching him play yesterday really well, it's a little empty to me. You know what I mean? Because Joe shows up against good teams, but we always run into the same situation that no one else shows up. Now, Toby started showing up against good teams, but we still run into a situation where Ben doesn't show up against good teams. You know what I mean? So I'm not worried about that. Ben played great yesterday. And that's all I'm going to say. Ben played great, but I'm not going to sit here and just attribute us blowing out that Hawks team yesterday because Ben played or our defense against the this trash thunder and against this Hawks team because Ben played. I'm not going to do that. You know what I mean? That's doing too much. That's completely ignoring because again, you're, you're, you you want to support Ben so much and that's great, but you want to just, you want to essentially shit on any other player that we could have traded Ben for, maybe would have been involved in trading Ben for in order to bolster your argument. And that is just not a true argument. It's not true. And it's bullshit. And now I got to I got to set it straight. I got to set the record straight. And it makes me sad that I got to do that. I don't want to do that. I want to keep it real. I want to say, yo, Ben played great yesterday because he did. But I'm not going to sit here and lie and say it's Ben is the only reason why. No. That Hawks team has no point guard play. You see Solomon Hill's doing too much. I mean, what does Solomon Hill fit? Who does Solomon Hill? I learned something yesterday about Solomon Hill. For a long time, I've been like, man, like during the bubble, I was like, man, Solomon, you need a haircut, bro. Like, what is going on when he was playing with the heat? What is going on with your hair? Get a haircut. And then I realized that he got a, he just got a freshie. It looks like kind of, it looks, I can identify that he got a freshie because I know that what it looks like when he doesn't have a freshie, but even looking at his freshie, it looks like he hasn't gotten a haircut. He just is one of those people who no matter how clean he gets, he will never look clean. Poor guy, poor guy. It looks like he just, he just does. It just looks like he works with his hands. It's, that's what it looks like. You know what I mean? It, it's like when when you are like a mechanic or you do some some sort of work with your hands, you get that permanent like oil tinge on your skin that no gojo. There's not enough gojo in the world to clean off, you know, and that's what Solomon Hill looks like. Poor guy. But he's doing too much. He's wilding yesterday. The whole team is wilding yesterday. Shout out to, to, to Toby. Yo, Toby just straight up. I mean, Toby did to John Collins what Jalen Brown did to Toby last year during the playoffs which was do the MJ, uh, uh, um, what's his face? Uh, damn, I can never remember this dude's name in the di- in, in, in the last dance where MJ is like playing defense on him and is like, what the fuck? Stop that. What are you doing? Stop. No, don't do that anymore. Right? That's what Toby did to John Collins yesterday on a few plays. I thought he, he, he was locking up John Collins. You know what I mean? John Collins, who took a charge from Joel. And at that moment, I looked at him and said, no matter how big they, they tell me that you are, you're not that big. There's just no way. Let me look, let me look at something real quick because I mean, John Collins put it this way. When it, when, when John Collins took the charge, I would, I thought it was somebody, I thought it was one of their guards, one of the, the backup guards or forwards or something like that. I didn't know it was John Collins. Cause he looked so goddamn small. Six, nine, two No, I don't believe it. If you're 6'9", 235, then Joe is 7'9", 436 pounds. Because you look like, you just, you look like a, a, you look like you almost died. I mean, you look like you took a charge from a fucking semi. You know what I mean? Like you were standing on the Autobahn in Germany, which has no speed limit. And you took an oncoming, a, a charge from an oncoming train that was, for whatever reason, driving on it. No, you're not 6'9". I don't believe it. I don't believe it. 
the only way you're six nine is if you're snitching on yourself, bars. Or well, snitching on your homies, bars. Anyway, um, and Clint, I mean Clint, I, I don't know who who somebody got in Clint's ear and said, yo, they did, did this thing where they did the two finger. Where is that from? Uh, what meme is that? Oh, that's the the, the 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 Draymond to Kevin Durant thing, right? The two finger pointing in your chest, you're the fucking man type thing. Somebody did that to Clint, and Clint came out yesterday, and he thought, yo, I can definitely go at Joe. You cannot go at Joe. Stop. Stop it. Clint, stop it. I know you're playing better. I know you've been playing better, but you're playing better against Scrubs. Stop. You're not going to score on Joel one-on-one. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Even if you maybe had a skill set that could maybe do it, Joe would never allow you because you're Clint Capella and he's Joel Embiid. He's not going to allow you to score. Chill. I don't know who got in your ear, bro. You need to relax. Did too much. Um, I mean, look at this. Look at this. Who's who of guys they got playing? They got Lou Williams playing yesterday. Brandon. I mean, Lou Williams has been playing well for them since they traded for him. But I mean, Brandon Goodwin, uh, who is that? Chris Dunn. Chris is done already. Move on. He did not look good yesterday. Gallinari. You, you want to talk about someone getting locked up? Oh, when the moon hits your eye. That's Amore. I'm sorry. You know what? I'm sorry, Danilo, if you hear this. You're not, but I'm sorry. Because you know what? One of the reasons why Gallinari hated playing for the Knicks was because every time he would come in, they would play that song, and he thought it was like mad, like racist. You thought it was racist. You know, he felt like this is racist. Uh, so I'm sorry, from the bottom of my heart, I truly apologize. You got locked up though by Matisse. I mean, Matisse so thoroughly locked you up. You're six ten, Danilo. Matisse is six five, but somehow you guys traded places. And he made you look like a little boy. I mean, absolutely locked you up. It was crazy. My man, he, the, if you want to petition for something, let's not petition anymore for Ben, whatever. I'm not, not going to hit on Ben. Petition for Matisse to get on an all defensive team. He deserves it. He deserves it. I understand he only plays 20 minutes a game or whatever it is he's playing. And in that 18 to 20 minutes, he causes havoc, and he is a true lockdown defender. He deserves to be at least 13 on defense because it would not tell the story of the season if he did not make it on a all defensive team. It just wouldn't. You know what I mean? It just wouldn't. Honestly, it just wouldn't. It just wouldn't. Um, what what has happened here? What's this? What? Why could that have possibly happened like that? Anyway, um. Danny yesterday, he played okay. Nothing special. Danny doesn't play in games that are blowouts. Danny only plays well when we need him. So good for him. Thank you, Danny. Um, Toby, I thought Toby played well yesterday. Uh, 17.7 rebounds, six assists. Again, his defense yesterday was really the the thing. They, he, he got it back yesterday. You know what I mean? He had not been playing well since he came back. Uh, and I think yesterday he got it. He got it back a little bit. Again, this is a bad defensive team, so it remains to be seen. But it's nice to see. It, it's important to see you hitting baskets uh, in an NBA game and then going forward from there. We're going to play the Hawks again. So, you know what I mean? Like maybe he can continue that. Um, Joe, Joe actually, uh, you know, not an efficient night for Joe. Uh, credit to Clint. Clint played great defense. I got to give it to him. He played great defense. He blocked Joe twice. Two weak moves that Joe was was taking and Clint is just, 
They pointed it out yesterday. Clayton is really quick off his feet. You know, does a good job not falling for pump fakes. He's just a smart defender. He he did a great job. I, I got to give it to him. Did a great job. Defend. I mean, kind of defended. I felt like, you know, did a, did a defensive job on Joe, similar to what Serge does to Joe, which is Serge never stops Joe necessarily. But if Joe comes out with some bullshit, he, he, you're not going to do it. Joe has to kind of, I think against those guys, Joe needs to keep it simple, overpower and or do that fadeaway jumper, which he did to Clint. I mean, Clint had no answer. Uh, for that. Oh, okay. So apparently, apparently we've stopped screen sharing. Is that what's going to happen here? I mean, just talk about disrespect. Listen, uh, whatever. It's not important. I don't need it. I don't need it. I'm going to fly off. I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck. You're not going to see the graph. You're just going to see me now because I'm a real one. I'm a real one. It's what happens. I don't know how I'm going to edit it though, but we're going to take care of it. We're going to take care of it anyway. So back to the point. So Joe, Joe, I thought Joe dominated. Um, I mean, not Joe dominated, but so Joe hits that those couple fadeaways on uh, on Clint. Uh, great moves. There's no answer for them. I mean, there's just no answer for them. If Joe's going to hit that shot, Joe has, everyone knows when you play in the post, you have different moves for different, obviously for different defenders, but it, a lot of those moves are dependent on the size of the defender. You know what I mean? If you play in a, maybe you're playing a shorter defender. Like sometimes when I play basketball, you know, all-star LA fitness, no doubt about it. First team, all, all LA fitness. Um, when you play certain times, you play defenders that are a little bit stronger and people wonder, well, how come you just, just post them up and just do your drop step. Everyone loves my drop step. And it's like, yeah, no, I could. The thing is this guy's like really fucking strong. So he had, he's strong and he's doing a good job getting, uh, whatchamacallit getting, um, a uh, leverage on me. So the drop step is a little bit harder to, to do to him. So now I'm going to just do a little fadeaway shot over him, like the Dirk step, the Dirk one step fadeaway, because there's nothing he can do with this shot. There's nothing he can do with this shot. As long as it's dropping, there's nothing he can do. There's nothing he can do to affect it. You know what I mean? Except maybe foul me. It's the only thing you can do, right? And then against other guys, you may say, fuck it, I'm going to just move him out of the way. Uh, you know, whatever. So there's nothing you can do against Joe. Uh, Seth played great yesterday. Seth was the best, the, probably the best he shot since he's come back. Um, yeah, since he's come back, I mean, it's probably the best he shot. I thought this was the best he looked. I think he had a better shooting game a couple of weeks ago, but I thought this was the best he's looked. I thought he looked good. I thought he looked more, again, no pressure, so it's easy, but he looked more, um, he looked more like Seth in the beginning of the year. Seth in the beginning of the year looked like somebody who was tired of being called Steph Curry's brother. And while he understands he'll never really escape the shadow, he wanted to carve his own thing. Seth over the last few weeks looks like somebody who is just fine being Seth, Steph, Steph Curry's brother. Yesterday, I thought he looked more of the guy who's like, I want to carve my own thing. Um, and I thought he shot really, really well. I thought he, I thought he played great. You know what I mean? I thought he played really, really well. Again, Ben played great. You know what I mean? I'm not going to sit here and say it's because of Ben that we won the game, but I thought that Ben played great. I mean, Ben, Ben had all the swag passes going yesterday. You know what I mean? 15 minutes, six assists. He had some foul trouble, which was unfortunate, but he played great. You know what I mean? I thought he did play great. Just understand, George Hill struggled mightily. Um, really, he struggled until that. That I, George Hill only has one turnover. I don't even know how that's possible. Um, it seemed like there was a there was a like in the second third quarter there was like a twenty minute stretch where anytime George Hill was playing, he was throwing passes that were getting deflected or I mean just just struggling, struggling mightily, um, unable to hit a shot. And then you know he has that big dunk, and I think that kind of got him back into the flow of the game. But aside from that, yesterday was not a good George Hill experience. 
Um, Matisse defense again. I mean, three blocks absolutely just crushed Danilo Gallinari with, with his defense. I mean, that was just wild. Um, didn't do a ton on offense. Had a couple good passes. Made a couple a couple good plays. Credit to Shake who tried to get him. Uh, Matisse had a great defensive play, and Shake tried to get him that uh, um, an alley oop. It just didn't work out that way. Uh, but other than that, Matisse played great. You know what I mean? His defense. I mean, wow, just. Or Danilo. I mean, Danilo's been their guy off the bench who, you know, is a scorer or whatever. Matisse was not having any of that yesterday. He he was just not. I mean, he he was just not going to have it. You know what I mean? Matisse, he, he grew up in France. His last, his first name is a French first name. You know, I, I think he grew up in France. Or no, he grew up in Australia, but his parents are French. And it just looks like he wanted to get Italy back for World War II. It's what it looked like to me. You know what I mean? If I'm keeping it a buck with you. Um, historical bars. Shake. Uh, Shake played okay. Um, not 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 anything special. I thought he did make a couple really good passes, uh, which I was happy to see. You know, I've mentioned before, did Shake have six assists yesterday? Wow, good for him. Um, I mentioned, you know, I've mentioned a few times on this podcast, Shake is not a point guard, but I mentioned how, like the other day, the Anthony Tolliver thing, you know, that's a, a point guard play. I thought he had a couple of those plays yesterday, too. You know, there was, a, the again, a good point guard recognizing Matisse just did a great job on defense and trying to get him that alley-oop, an easy bucket for him. Uh, that's a great that's a great point guard play. You know what I mean? I thought yesterday he did a really good job distributing. Uh, he was only three for eight, so not a ton shooting six for seven from the free throw line. I don't even remember half of those uh, foul, him drawing that many fouls, but... Um, but I thought that his, I thought yesterday he passed well and it's evident six assists. So he, he did a good job hitting open guys. Um, if shake wants to play, that's how he has to evolve. It's not about being the scorer because one, your scoring is not there right now. Maybe your scoring is not there because teams recognize that you hit, you know, 18 straight three pointers or whatever it was last year. And they're not going to give you open shots. They're not going to give you open looks anymore. So you're going to have to turn it to a type of point guard if you don't want to lose your minutes. And I thought yesterday was a big step in that. Uh, we'll see. Because I, again, how many times have I talked about Shake has this disease of when he inbounds a play, when he starts to play, he finishes the play too, right? And it's like, it can't, it can't necessarily just be that way. Tyrese Maxey is suffering, suffering from that now too. But the difference is because Maxey's minutes are so not guaranteed. Every time he comes in, he's trying to make some sort of impact by scoring. You know, so I can kind of get it. Uh, I would prefer not that you do that because it could that could actually be detrimental to your value. But I understand it. Uh, Furkan played well yesterday. You know, what I mean, definitely Furkan played great yesterday. Not, nothing negative to say about Furkan. Shot well. Um, there was actually one play where he he did a pump fake, and it looked like for sure a play where he wanted to shoot. I mean, you can see it. Isn't I think it was in the first quarter. And you can see it in him. He was like, I want to shoot this. But pump fake, I'm defended now. I'm going to, I want to, I, I, and then he passed it. And then he passed it. Wow. Wow. Step back from the green light for a second. He said, oh, this light is yellow. Let me chill. Let me slow down. It's a yellow light. Let me slow down. Not speed up. I'm going to slow down. Good job, Furkan. Way to go. I see that growth. Growth. Way to go. Passed it out. Um... I thought he played great. His defense, again, I've mentioned, man, he's been doing a great job on defense. One, There was one great play. Um, I'm sure everyone is going to recognize this play. You, you know, he – he um, did he almost first – who almost forced the turn? It might have been Matisse who almost forced the turn. Forced the turnover. It might have been Matisse who almost forced it. And then 
And then he tries to save, well, he does save it. He, he jumps out of bounds and throws it between his legs. It ends up going back to Atlanta, which is dangerous. They always tell you, don't save the ball under your own basket, right? Because, you know, and th this is obviously not under their own basket, but it is on their side of the floor. Because essentially, if you run out of bounds to save the ball and you save it to their team, it's now a five on four. You know what I mean? So you're actually causing a disadvantage for your team when you do that. Way to go for Furkan, though. He saves it. They almost get an open three-pointer, and Furkan gets right back into playing contest. Great job by Furkan there. I, good job, Furkan. I'd love to see that uh, that aggressiveness. Dwight, yes, you're being targeted for, for, for technical fouls. It's clear. You're being targeted. But why? Let's talk about why. This is a you thing. not a. It's not a them thing. You're, you're saying they're targeting you as if it's unfair. You've earned it. You've earned the target. You painted the shit on your own chest and said, please target me for technical fouls. Target me for the T. Like, target. You know what I mean? Target me. Yeah, you're being targeted. You earned all those. <laughs> Yo, you've earned all of those technical fouls. Let's be clear. You've earned all of them. Some of those technical fouls were, were I don't, I know, which I don't understand this rule sometimes, where it's like, if you foul someone in a way that doesn't match the criteria the criteria for a flagrant necessarily instead they'll give you a technical at times which which has happened to him a few times your shoulders are technically flagrant they're just out here doing things you know chill you're being targeted yeah man uh not to, not much to say about dwight yesterday he shot a three-pointer which was funny because as he right the play before he shot a three-point said man when was the last time dwight shot a three and I, he reminded me here, uh, and it wasn't really bad looking. It was short, um, but I didn't feel like it was a bad miss necessarily. It was just short. Um, Tyrese, I thought Tyrese played played solid offensively. Uh, not a ton to say about him. Um, you know, a lot of minutes in the when when we've already kind of dispatched them at that point and now we're kind of slowly you know ben is in foul trouble had ben not been in foul trouble tyrese probably wouldn't have gotten as many minutes he'd probably be more with the mike scott paul reed minutes down here uh, mike scott looks like he's probably out of the rotation um which makes sense we're getting healthy so we're getting ready for the playoffs it's, it's playoff rotation time figuring that out is going to be the most important and essentially it's these guys right here like i said i've talked about this playoff rotations usually get limited to eight guys right now we're playing what one two three four five so we got 10 guys here so we got to figure out who's going to be here dwight is going to play in the playoffs there are going to be series where he probably doesn't play as much that's definitely possible uh, depending on the team, they tend to go. They, they intend on going small. Kind of depends on how much Dwight is going to play. Uh, and it's and then the next is Furkan, Shake, Matisse, George. Who's who here? You know which three out of these five guys are going to see minutes? You know what I mean? Is what we're going to have to figure out. I'm assuming George Hill probably is going to be in here. Um, one because Doc loves veterans. Two because we do need a veteran point guard. You know we do need a point guard off the bench. So then that leaves two spots for these four guys. You figure if we're gonna in situation where we are gonna play a big man and Dwight's playing, so that's George and Dwight. So now who's left? For me, it, you know it's I guess it's between Matisse and Shake. I don't know. I, I again, I skew towards defense. Our team is a defensive team. It's a, we have a defensive identity. You know what I mean? Our a lot of our offense comes from defense. Um, so it would make sense that you have Matisse in there, you know, to me, uh, but we'll see. Uh, so with that said, you know, we play the Hawks again, uh, tomorrow night. Yeah. We play the Hawks tomorrow night again. What's, what's the, what we got coming up here? Uh, uh, let's see, even though you can't see this, um, boop, 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 boop. computer thinking, as I've mentioned before, that's the new sound. Boop, 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 boop. 
it's not the same sound. I mean, it's, it's just, oh, I see what's happening here. Oh, I see, I see what's happened here. My internet has gone out on this computer. No problem. No problem. I don't need you. I don't need you. We play Atlanta next. Um, who we play after that, only God knows. Only time will tell. I'll let you know when I have internet on this laptop. Um, do I have internet? Yeah, I have internet here, just not here. Um, okay. So yeah, we'll see what happens. Um, I do want to address one thing. There, there is, I gotta, I gotta straighten this shit out real quick. I gotta straighten this shit because motherfuckers is wilding out here. The super team conversation, obviously, um, Dr. J has come out and people have been mad about the, the, because Dr. J put MJ on his second team or whatever. I, I don't know the context of this conversation, but I do know that if, if you ask the older guys, that the pre-MJ guys and some of the guys who played in the MJ era, the beginning of the MJ era, not necessarily through or towards the end of the MJ era, but in the beginning of the MJ era, if you ask those guys who the greatest players of all time are, a lot of them are never going to say MJ. I'm going to be honest. They're not going to say MJ. They're not going to say Larry. They're not going to say Magic necessarily. They're going to say the guys who preceded them because they have a, an emotional connection to what those guys meant to them playing. So they're going to say the Wilts and the Bill Russells and the Elgin Baylors and the Jerry Wests and the whomever, right? They're going to save those guys. You know what I mean? It is what it is. Um, Dr. J, so, and the reason why Dr. J said he didn't want to put LeBron on his first team was because uh, LeBron started the super team era. And people are now going crazy about this. Let's be clear about what super teams represent because we need to define what super team is. Super team is not, it, it, it's, it's, the super team era cannot be defined by an assembly of talent on one team, because if you look at which I, we have to quantify this, if you look at the Golden State team, right, when they won in the finals uh, the first year, it's Steph, Clay, Draymond, and uh, and Iggy's on that team, right, and, and obviously Harrison Barnes and Andrew Bogut, all those guys, okay. Iggy's going to probably go into the Hall of Fame. Whether he deserves it or not, I'm not going to debate. He's probably going to make it to the Hall of Fame. That's four Hall of Famers. You can't go back and say, I mean, that was a super team. They had four Hall of Famers. Mm, let's chill for a second. That's not being honest. That's not being honest because then when you look at LeBron's teams, you're going to say, well, he had, I can't re even remember completely who had who he had on his teams, but I'm pretty sure he could arguably say he had, I think he had Darren Williams right coming off the bench. And you're going to look back and say, Darren Williams, Kevin Love, uh, LeBron, Kyrie, that's four Hall of Famers. That doesn't, it's not true though, right? It's not true because Darren Williams has a, has a chance to make it to the Hall of Fame, I assure you. His number, he has incredible numbers through his career. Obviously, the end of his career is not pretty, but through the first eight years of his career, it's an argument between him and, and Chris Paul. It's a legitimate argument. Um, so, so, so chill. Let's, let's, we got to put this in the context when we're talking about. This guy had this many Hall of Famers. That's one. Two, half of you have been sitting here shitting on everyone from that era, saying they're trash anyway. So when you say that, well, they had super teams, do you believe they had super teams? Because half of you call them trash anyway. The other thing here, the most important thing is, when we talk about super teams, let's define it. The super team era that LeBron started, which I can argue LeBron didn't start, but not for the reason why you guys think, is the idea of players congregating and saying, yo, let's all, the best players, let's go play here together. That is the era of super team that LeBron supposedly started. Now, you could really make an argument that the Celtics started that before them. The Celtics with Paul Pierce, with KG, with Ray Allen, because they kind of did that. They did kind of do that. 
You know what I mean? They kind of did come together. The the only argument that I would have against you and the difference is, is KG didn't really force his way out of Minnesota the way that some of these guys are doing it. And in order for the Celtics to get KG, they gave up real value. You know what I mean? Al Jefferson, who was like a 2010 guy, they gave up a lot of guys. Not to say that Al Jefferson is as good as him, but they gave up value to get KG. They didn't just get KG for free. A situation where it's a sign and trade and you get nothing really in return but a player exception or something like that or, you know, some draft pick or some shit. They gave up value to get KG. And then they got Ray Allen, which they gave up value for him, too. And they built a team that way. You know what I mean? So if you want to say that was the first super team, you you could make that argument. I don't think I would agree with it, but I'll let you go. But I'm talking we're talking about LeBron, Chris Bosch and D Wade saying a year or two before they go to the heat, hey, let's all go to the heat so we can win, right? That's what we're talking about. We're talking about stacking the cards in your favor to win. We're not talking about organically built teams because that's the difference. When you look at the 80 Celtics, that's an organically built team. Larry's drafted. Kevin McHale's drafted. DJ's there already. Robert Parrish, I think Robert Parrish might've been signed as a free agent. Um, But Yes, Robert Parrish is a Hall of Famer. But again, context. Uh, when you look at the the Lakers, Kareem is already there. They draft Magic. They draft James Worthy. You know what I mean? These are built from drafts. These are built from drafts. When you look at the 50s, 60s, 70s, the NBA is so small. Obviously, if you look at Wilt's teams, if you look at Will Chamberlain's teams, they're stacked with Hall of Famers for two reasons. Reason one, teams are stacked. All the talent is is being on a few teams because there is not a, not enough teams to spread talent throughout. Then was there eight teams, 16 teams, whatever it is? I can't remember right now. So you look at that. Two, they're Hall of Famers because at that time, right, before there's a Hall of Fame, there is no standard for what a Hall of Fame player is. So you're saying, I think this guy is really one of the best players. Right now, you may not say Tommy Heinsohn is a Hall of Famer. You know what I mean? You, you may not argue that, really. Bob Cousy is probably always going to be a Hall of Famer. Bill Russell, obviously, is always going to be a Hall of Famer. But there's going to be guys a- around the league that are Hall of Famers that you may not consider Hall of Famers, which is probably why you see so many guys now make the Hall of Fame. Dikembe Mutombo. He's not a Hall of He shouldn't be a Hall of Famer. When you say Hall of Famer, you're saying Dikembe Mutombo, and you're saying Shaq, Hall of Famer. But Dikembe Mutombo and, and Akeem. That doesn't tell the story of the difference between these two dudes. They're not the same. They're not the same. So when we're talking about super teams, we need to define the era because people are you are essentially deciding to make technicalities to say that LeBron didn't start this thing. He did start this thing. And the thing he started specifically is uniting guys to make super teams that organically didn't come together, but they just were friends or whatever and say, hey, we should all go play together. Kevin Durant, I mean, what Kevin Durant did is flagrant and what he continues to do is flagrant. You know what I mean? Him and Kyrie decided an all-star game. They're going to play together. We should play together, right? That conversation was real. The, the one that we were all saying, oh, are they, is that what they're saying? And we weren't sure. Yeah, it, it is what they were saying. And then essentially whatever back channel way that they convinced James Harden to come. Because remember, once James Harden said he wanted to be traded, everything was cool. And then all of a sudden, James is like, no, I want to be traded to the Nets. I want to be traded to the Nets, is what he says originally. Then he opens up the list of teams he would consider being traded for, which is any team where he can win on. You know what I mean? What we're talking about is the difference between Dame, between Giannis, who maybe you you could call them fools because they're going to die on that sword. 
right? Because Giannis, essentially, they, 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 James Harden would consider being traded to the Bucks, and Giannis essentially put a stop to that. No, right? Dame doesn't want that. You know what I mean? And they die on their swords. Maybe they're fools. Maybe their pride is going to leave them without a championship. I would say that I'm more aligned with that type of mindset than this type of mindset, the easy way out. I consider this easy way, easy way out mindset. Who am I? I'm not important. I don't matter. But this is how I feel, right? When we're talking about super teams, we're talking about people who unite, not organically. We're not talking about guys who got drafted together. We're talking about guys who say, hey, let's go play over here together to win a championship. That's what you're saying. And if you want to say that it started because the Celtics did something like that, and essentially LeBron took it to the next level and said, fuck it. They got all this talent stacked, even though, again, see, the thing is, is that because context, this is the end of the Celtics career. They only have, they win the championship and it's pretty much only two good years after that. And they're, they're like on fumes the whole time. You know what I mean? They're on fumes the whole time is what it is. You know what I mean? They're on fumes. So I, I, you know, I, 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 there's a ton of reasons why I tend to not argue that that Celtics team started it, but if that's the argument, you could start there. You can't really start with the 80s teams, the 70s team, the 60s team, because those teams are all you are organically built as opposed to what we got here. Those teams represent what the Warriors did, what the Spurs did. You know what I mean? That's why there is a the older guys have more of a, uh, a love for what these teams are doing because they built this shit organically. You know, and the problem with that, the, the problem is to play devil's advocate, the, the, the problem with loving that it's great loving that but the problem is we don't do enough to hold front offices accountable when they fail at building that when they fail at that front right we don't do enough to hold them accountable you know what i mean we don't do that enough to hold them accountable so that that's all i'm going to say about that we're talking about and this is listen i'm not going to defend dr j's his list is again like i said those older guys they, they tend to put the older guys they, they tend to raise them higher because they have a different idea of how basketball is supposed to be played. It's why you have Oscar. When they ask Oscar about Steph, he's saying things about Steph that don't even make any sense. It's whatever. There's nothing you can do about that. They're they always going to represent for their generation and the generations before them. And that's necessary because at times this new generation forgets. They forget. That's how you get people saying Steph is the greatest point guard of all time without ever having watching a moment of Magic Johnson play, without ever really watching, digesting Chris Paul's career. They know Chris Paul for Rockets Chris Paul, the end of Clippers Chris Paul, Rockets Chris Paul, and OKC Chris Paul, and Suns Chris Paul, which, mind you, are still all great Chris Pauls. But they don't remember when he was single-handedly on the Hornets carrying that team with fucking David West. You know what I mean? And fucking Tyson Chandler. And Peja Stoyakovic and just got a bunch of guys. You know what I mean? When he was single-handedly carrying with Byron Scott as a coach, single-handedly carrying that team. You know what I mean? They don't they don't even recognize that. They don't know why John Stockton has the most assists. So they may say, well, John Stockton has the most assists. He's the greatest. No, it's not. No, that's not true either. You know what I mean? You don't have a basis to say they say Kobe Bryant's the greatest guard of all time or whatever. Nope, he's not. He's not. That doesn't even make sense if you think the MJ's the greatest, it doesn't even make sense. You know what I mean? So the, the, the newer guys put a lot more stock in the newer generations. You know what I mean? Because it's their generation. The older guys don't don't recognize that. You have to stay in the middle. So that's all I got to say. That's my point about super teams. You know what I mean? Let's chill. Let's have nuance. It's the same thing with Joe Rogan. You know what I mean? People are like screaming about Joe Rogan saying his shit about not getting, maybe I'll do a podcast on this, not getting vaccinated. Hey, 
two, two things for both sides of this, for people who, who are listening to Joe Rogan religiously and for people who are now trying to cancel Joe Rogan, which there is no such thing as canceling. But anyway, if you're listening to Joe Rogan religiously, please understand that Joe Rogan is just a guy with a podcast, such as I. He's just a guy with a podcast. He's a comedian is what he is. He's a comedian. It's how he started his career. He started his career as a comedian, then became the MMA uh, guy or whatever, but he was a comedian. Maybe we should not rely on his uh, best scientific opinion about your health. Just a thought. Consider that. Other side, hey, we don't need to cancel Joe, Joe Rogan because he's a comedian. He's just a comedian with a podcast. He doesn't know what he's saying. He's just expressing his opinion. That's totally fair to express your opinion. He's not necessarily expressing it as fact, but he's also not recognizing the impact he has. You know, anytime you say some shit like that, like I, I like one thing sometimes that stops me from doing podcasts about mental health is that I'm not an expert. So it's like, I'm afraid to do that, but I do want to give my story and my opinion. So separate them both. That's all. Everyone, you know the drill. Wash your hands. Stay safe. Black Lives Matter. Arrest the cops who killed Breonna Taylor. Stop Asian hate. Don't listen to Joe Rogan. Please get vaccinated so we can go living a life uh, that makes sense without terrifying people who don't have vaccinations or terrifying older people or people who have uh, who may have respiratory issues and you want to terrify them because you think you're 21 and healthy and shouldn't get a vaccine because Joe Rogan, whatever. It's going to be funny if Joe Rogan ever gets accused of anything inflammatory or flagrant, like, you know, some sort of sexual assault. They always do. The guys like that always get caught with sexual assault things. Uh, that's going to be fine. Not going to be funny for the victims, but it'll be funny if he gets caught for that, because then it's going to be like, how many people are going to stop listening to him? And how quickly is that going to change? How quickly does that turn? You know what I mean? Anyway, that's a conversation for another day. Everyone stay yeah. safe. Take care. That's it. Uh, 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 yeah. Justice for the blind, just something that'll find in the rhymes that are coming from my mind. Used to come